Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Curley Show. Happy New Year. We're into 2024. And I thought, what better way to start off the first show of the new year than to bring in uh, a fan favorite, David Marcus. He's also one of the first people that ever agreed to come on the show, which I will never forget and I'll always appreciate. He joins us now. And for people who don't know, David is a writer for the New York Post. He uh, does a lot of work for the Morning Wire, which is a great podcast I listen to every morning. And he's he's just a wealth of knowledge. And David, we appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me, Grace. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, sir. I wanted to start with this story about how Biden is losing a lot of support among some key demographics, including young voters, uh, black people, Hispanic people. They're all abandoning him, according to a recent poll from USA Today and Suffolk University. And my question for you, David, is why now? Because all of the issues we think about that could be turning people against Joe Biden, the economy, um, the southern border, this stuff's been happening for a very long time. Do you think there was one thing in in particular that's caused this recent shift? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think especially probably a young among young voters, uh, Israel has been a problem for him uh, because there is not a not a huge wing, but but a big enough wing in the Democrat Party, especially uh, young Democrats who are not big supporters of Israel and who want Biden to tell Israel uh, to, to start a ceasefire. And he's losing, he's losing some support among those people. But more generally, you're right. I, I mean, when you look at the border, that started to affect Chicago and New York and, these, and Boston, of course. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's bleeding support all over the place. Um, but the Democrats right now seem to be stuck with him. And when when the White House is asked about these polls, and we know what Joe Biden's response is, Dave, he always says, like, you know, you're in the wrong polls, as if he has access to all these wonderful polls. They're just not showing us. But it makes sense to me that the White House isn't going to let on that they're panicking about this. But as far as these demographics go, how important are these groups to Joe Biden securing a victory in 2024? I mean, they're incredibly important to Joe Biden securing a victory in 2024. And Part of what they are, and I'll have a column up later this week at Human Events that sort of delves into this, but part of the issue here is that Joe Biden is the third term of Obama, right? Seventy-five percent of his top hundred aides were Obama staffers. Like, this, the, the Democrat Party is the party of Barack Obama, and they're kind of stuck with Joe Biden, because if it's anybody else, a Gavin Newsom, a Jared Paulus, a Gretchen Whitmer, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a new party. They're going to want different people. They're going to have different ideas. So that's, I think, what you're seeing playing out inside the Democrat Party right now. And there's some fissures, right? I mean, look at John Fetterman. He's moving to the center. There are people who are, who are saying maybe this wokeness and this craziness isn't really working for our party. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't even think of that, that a lot of people, it's job security. It's like if he's out, then we might be out as well. Um, David, oh, yeah. an- 
another part of this that I wanted to get your take on is obviously Trump is now going to challenge these um, ballot bans in, in Maine and Colorado. And, and there's a few more that could come come down the line. And my question for you, I know everyone's saying, you know, it's going to be overturned by a superior court. I'm of that mindset that, you know, justice and the Constitution and everything else will come out strong in this case. Fingers crossed. I mean, anything could happen. Right. But where I really want your insight, and this is something that you always are able to deliver for us, is how do you think this plays with independent voters? How do you think when, when the dust settles and Trump is inevitably, I think, on the ballot, how what what kind of taste does this leave in people's mouths who are maybe not invested in this all the time but are seeing the headlines? I think it plays extremely badly. Uh, really, with independent voters. I yeah. I also think that it muddies the waters uh, with independent voters. I mean, one thing about the Hunter Biden scandal is it's really one scandal, right? There's one basic allegation here, which is that Hunter was selling influence, and Joe either knew about it or was stupid enough not to know about it. Right? It's a very simple thing. Trump's under 91 different charges, you know, ranging from, you know, tr- trying to overturn the election to, uh, you know, keeping documents to whatever the civil case in New York is. I think when you look at this main secretary of state, when you look at Alvin Bragg, right, when you look at the district attorney in Georgia, these are people who are making personal political decisions that, quite frankly, are probably going to work out pretty well for them, right? Letitia James is going to work out really well for these people personally. But no, it does not play well with independence at all. I, I, I mean, I, I think that's just sort of blatantly obvious. I'm speaking with David Marcus. And uh, another thing you had told us uh, a couple months ago, we had you on the show. Actually, this was probably a while back because we were talking about some of the other options besides Trump in the Republican field. We were talking about DeSantis and Nikki Haley. And you said something that really stuck with me. You said there's a lot of people out there that would rather lose with Trump than win with someone that they see as a lesser version or, you know, a a rhino type. And I always remember that because I've run into a lot of people who feel that exact way. The reason I bring this up now, David, is as we get closer to 2024, do you think that things have shifted for Trump? Because I'll just tell you how I feel. I kind of felt like, I don't want another matchup of 2020. But the more I think about it, it's not a matchup of 2020. Joe Biden now has a record that people can look to. And I think that's going to change uh, the way this plays out. Oh, I agree. And, And Grace, I got news for you. We're not getting closer to 2024. Oh, you're right. We're here. We're, we're, we're two days in. You know, careful when you sign your checks. Um, no, look, the, the dynamic has changed completely. Yesterday, January 1st, 2024, uh, was the very first day that Nikki Haley was tied with Ron DeSantis in the Real Clear Politics average of polls. They're both at 11.2%. In the next few days, a, a few polls will probably drop off and Haley will take the lead. So that whole dynamic has changed. January 10th is now going to be crazy. That's five days before the Iowa primary. And you're going to have Haley debating DeSantis on CNN. You're going to have Trump having a town hall. And you're going to have Vivek in Iowa doing a a town hall on a podcast. So all kinds of things are, are moving around. But at the end of the day, I've said for months that if Trump is consistently hitting 65 in the polls, you can't beat him. He's there. I don't see how either Haley or DeSantis at 11.2. I, I know, like, if somebody wins Iowa, you catch fire. It's off. I mean, Grace, at this point, this would be the biggest political collapse in American history if Trump were to lose. 
I agree. I, I think uh, it would have to be something, you know, otherworldly to, to change what's written in the yeah, stars. What, right. and, and what would that be? What? He gets arrested? I, I mean, we've been through all this. Yeah. Like, what could possibly happen? Like <laughs> Yeah, everything's old hat now, too. And I and, and David, I do think that's part of this conversation as well, is that the American people, all of these headlines, I, I see it with my, I can only talk of my own experience. I read things every day and I'm like, okay, you know, mugshot, arrest, FBI raid, nothing shocks you anymore. No, president of Harvard has committed perjury, you know, 75 times and can't say that, you know, genocide against Jews is bad. Eh. Yeah, yeah, everything's like whatever. Um, David, I wanted and it, to... And it's, it's, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to say, it's, it's why people don't trust our institutions, whether it's journalism, whether it's universities, whether it's, you know, the courts. And that's the biggest problem facing the United States right now. And if we don't fix it, we won't be able to fix anything else. Yeah. And the, the other part of this, though, David, that we do have to talk about, we're talking about Trump winning this primary. And as you said, I think that's kind of inevitable. But the other part of it is once we get to the general, if you could give, because I always wish that Trump had somebody like a David Marcus in the room with him. In other words, someone who's not afraid to just tell the truth, even if it's not going to play well, even if it's going to tick some people off. I think he tends to be surrounded by a lot of yes men. If you got Donald Trump's ear and you were part of his campaign, and you could tell him one piece of advice, like one thing to do or not to do in this race, what would you tell him? It's, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating question because I, it, it almost feels to me, for people who, who know football, it almost feels to me like you're asking me as a very conservative, run-oriented offensive coordinator to go tell Brett Favre, you know, or Tom Brady what to do. I mean... <laughs> Trump, Trump is Trump. I, I mean, I, one thing I might say is I might say don't go back to X. That might be it. Like, I don't think he needs it anymore. I think it's probably more trouble than it's worth. I think one of the things that I, one of the big mistakes I thought DeSantis made was launching on X, and he kind of got overshadowed by Elon Musk. Yep. I don't think Trump needs any of that. I would just stick to Truth Social. It's fine. So that would be my one piece of advice is don't go back to X. I think that'd be received pretty well. I don't think, uh, from what I can tell, I don't think he's going to go back. Uh, David Marcus, whenever you come on, people want to know where they can find you, where they can read all your work. So give us uh, some places where people can check you out. Oh, yes. Uh, um, I'm Blue Box Dave at Twitter or, or on X. Um, and yeah, I run about, usually about once a week at Fox News, Daily Mail, human events. And then, yeah, you can catch me usually on, on Morning Wire as well. And David, actually, since I have you, I want to ask one more question. You are the author of Charade, and you, you dove a lot into COVID and the masks and some of the mitigation efforts and the ones that failed and the school shutting down. Do you think that COVID, could they ever do that again? Because every once in a while you'll hear rumblings. I don't think it's catching on as much. Um, I have a friend who works in the service industry. She said she was waiting on a table the other day and a lot of people had masks on. And she said to me, do you think it's coming back? What's your take? Is this something like that you can only really have one time and then you can't recreate it again, the panic? Yes, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, look, excluding the I remember sitting down with Montez Slaoui, who with Dr. Montez Slaoui was the head of Operation Warp Speed. And he was telling me if you had a disease that could kill like Ebola and that could spread like COVID, you'd have an, ex an extinction level event, which is like a, a chilling thing to hear, right? So, yes, I mean, it, it, it's possible if warranted for something like COVID. I doubt it. But listen, I think that it's not, that's not what I'm afraid of. What I'm afraid of is that, you know, 
crises like climate change and racism and things like this, now that we've established this precedent of, oh, it's an emergency, governors can, governors can do whatever they want, I think that we will see a small chipping away of lots of our freedoms. I think we're already seeing it. And I would add in something that always scares me, David, is that if there is an emergency and people, as we just talked about, people are kind of numb to it at this point and people have no trust in these institutions. So when they do need people to listen, when they actually, you know, are are freaking out, we're going to go, oh, it's the boy who cried wolf. I, I don't need to pay attention to that. That's that's terrifying, Grace. I mean, I was just looking over one one section of charade that I have is an interview with Tucker Carlson from 2020. And one of the things we talk about was both of us being afraid in the middle of March. We were like his show, me at the Federalist. We were all like, listen, we need to be very, very careful because we could get people hurt if we're giving bad information. We tried. And it turned out that those experts were lying to us. So now what are we supposed to do? I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is at this point. Yeah, neither do I. Hey, David, can I get your reaction? This is breaking news. Embattled Harvard president, this is from the New York Post, embattled Harvard president Claudine Gay resigning after plagiarism, anti-Semitism scandals. I can't imagine you're surprised, David, but uh, give us your take. I'm, I'm, uh, Dave of a year ago is surprised. I, I think a year or two years ago she survives this. If you recall, Barack Obama was making phone calls saying, hey, you know, so... I, I think this is good. I, I think, you know, the fact that enough pressure was able to build that she wasn't able to survive it, I think is, is, is I'll take it as a positive sign. Awesome. We love it, especially in the yeah. new year. Some positive news. Thank you, David Marcus. Good. We appreciate your time. And for all the listeners, make sure you follow him at Blue Box Dave because that's where he links all his work and it's phenomenal. So you can check it out there. We will be right back. We'll take your calls on this Claudine Gay news. And I also want to talk about Joe Biden in St. Croix on his vacation. And I don't know if he's back yet. I have to imagine it's over. It was extended to 11 days. So I don't know when technically uh, it started. Like all good vacations, you go for the 11th day. Any bike rides? I, I'm, I'm guessing no bike rides on this vacation. We'll talk about all of that when we come back. But right now, let's get your, your reactions to Claudine Gay. Are you surprised? I'll let you know mine on the other side. And also, I want to let everybody know that there is a phenomenal, phenomenal sale happening at EdenPureDeals.com. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com, you're going to get the Gen 40 heater. And what I love about this heater, well, you can actually, you can check out all the, I don't want to tell you what to do. Okay, I'm not like the Secretary of State from Maine. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm going to let you make your own choices. But I will tell you some incentive here. If you use code GRACE50, you're going to get $50 off the Gen 40 heater. And this device is top notch. This device you can have with you wherever you go. So maybe you have an office that's really cold. You have coworkers who like to be freezing all day. I don't know anything about that. But you want to have a device that allows you to stay warm. And what the Gen 40 does, it combines infrared and convective heat, combines them together, creates this warm fireplace style heat that really warms you to the bone. It looks cool. It's sleek. It's stylish. It doesn't take up a lot of space, which I love because I have a new baby and we have tons of stuff. We don't need more stuff. So this doesn't take up any room. It's really um, nice looking. It goes with the decor. And... I will say one of the best parts, not only are you saving money with Code Grace 50 and you're getting free shipping, you're going to save more money once you start using the Gen 40 because you don't have to heat up your whole house. That's the wonderful thing here. You can heat up where you need to be. It's zone heating. You don't have to heat up the basement, the guest room that nobody's in. You're heating up where you are. You're saving money. 
and you're getting the temperature higher. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE50. I don't want you to forget that. Use code GRACE50 at checkout to save $50 and get free shipping on this wonderful device. You guys know the quality of Eden Pure products. It's top notch. So make sure you go to EdenPureDeals.com to check this out. We'll be right back. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curly. This is the Grace Curley Show. See you later, alligator. Ah, Claudine Gay, we hardly knew ye. That's right. Harvard's former president, Claudine Gay, has announced that she will resign. And you know, she has a lot in common with Joe Biden, Jared. It's not just that they're both. Not even Obama could save them. Yeah, okay, add that to the list. We're going to create a list of things they have in common. They both like to plagiarize, and they both like to make history, They, but they both like to break records. Here's a record for you. Harvard President Claudine Gay, this is the Harvard Crimson, will resign Tuesday afternoon, bringing an end to the shortest presidency in the university's history, according to a person with knowledge of the decision. That's a great question, uh, 781 asks. Who wrote the resignation letter? Google. Ever heard of Google? I'm sure there's plenty so of good chats, ones. GPT. Wrote <laughs> I, I know I, I said this when we were you initially. Cite your resignation, please, former President Gay. We talked about this when this story first came out, but I was I was googling the I was googling the guidelines, the rules, whatever, the precedent at Harvard for plagiarism, just to see like what other students had gone through if they plagiarized, if they had inadequate citations or do duplicative language duplicative language and i actually i don't know i stumbled upon some yahoo feed or or some message board jared where students were writing in does anyone have a does anyone have a template for how to write an apology letter for plagiarizing and i thought "Mm, guys this is part of your problem Maybe even if it's not the best apology letter, it could be your apology letter. Let's, you know, be the change you wish to see. And so I don't know. I don't know who wrote this resignation letter, but Claudine Gay is out at Harvard. She is no longer the president. And I would agree with David Marcus. I'm surprised in the sense that if it was a year ago, but, you know, it was I think part of this was. Well, first of all, it didn't seem like the plagiarism charges were ever going to stop. They just kept going. I mean, we started with, what, like six, and now we're up to 50 with no end in sight. But also, you couple this with the fact that it was uh, the original scandal involved her answers at the congressional hearing regarding anti-Semitism. And it was just the combination of several hot-button issues that led to her finally having to exit. I will say that... If it weren't for DEI, I think she would have been gone at the same time as Liz McGill. Liz McGill did not last nearly as long. She was gone like the next day after the hearing. So and this kind of ties into because we talked if you missed any of the podcast last last week, I know people were on vacation. It was a really good week, despite the fact that it was a little bit of a slower news week. We had some good guests. And Ben Weingarten talked about how Obama tried to save Claudine Gay, not just because he's also, you know, very anti-Israel, but also because 
he's a huge supporter of DEI. And he's afraid that the DEI, I don't even know what you call it, Jared. Industry. Industry would collapse. Here's hoping. This might be the start of it. We'll be right back. We'll take your reactions on the other side. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. It is a happy new year. It's a new leaf, even at Harvard. At Harvard, or some people like to call it Hamas University. They're starting, they're kicking this year off by kicking Claudine Gay out. And you know who actually is probably taking this news pretty hard? Besides other famous plagiarists like Joe Biden and Mike Barnacle. Um... I would have to, although would they be taking it hard or would they be happy? Because they both had to deal with some some punishment for their crimes, if you want to call it that, for their misdeeds. Mike Barnacle got the boot from the Boston Globe. And Joe Biden, I mean, he lost, he, he his presidential campaign at the time couldn't recover. But I don't know if they'd, how they'd feel about this. But who I think is probably nervous? Sally Kornbluth, president of MIT. She's the only one left. She's the lone survivor, Jared. I don't think this bodes well for Sally. For Sal. I wouldn't be confident if I were her. But let's not forget that Elise Stefanik was the real bad person here, right? Saturday Night Live. Yo, I get all my news from SNL. So I, yeah. Hey, try, making, try making fun of the person who asked the question again. She hasn't had to resign. Yeah, that's, it's, that's a weird thing that she hasn't right? had to resign. Speaking of people who had to resign in disgrace or, you know, got fired. Did you hear the news about Sam Brinton? For people who don't remember, because it's hard. suitcase Sam. It's hard to remember. You know, there's been so many scandals and weird stories. That's how I would describe it. Just bizarre stories out of the Biden White House. There's cocaine in the White House. Dogs are biting people. It's just for as much as they like to say that Trump's White House was pure chaos It seemed a little bit tamer than what we see now. Sam Brinton is the former Biden nuclear waste official. And this is from the Post Millennial. It says he's avoided jail time in 2023 and two criminal cases against him. Brinton avoided jail time. A third criminal case and related lawsuit remain ongoing. So he takes that. He takes that last suit into the new year, unfortunately. But he's doing pretty well so far. Well, he's used to taking suits. So (laughs) he is. He's doing good so far. Two out of three. And this is, as I said, good news for Sam Brenton, bad news for ladies everywhere who are going to airports at any time soon. Keep an eye out for your luggage, especially if it's a Vera Bradley bag. You know, just always it's it's not a bad idea. And I don't know. I see different things on it. The air tags where you can track your luggage or maybe just, you know, what never fails, Jared. Carry on. Bring your own. Bring a carry on. If you think Sam Brinton's going to be nearby and you like what you have in your bag, you're one of those people who wants to bring your bag to the airport and then take it with you when you leave. Keep your head on a swivel is all I'm saying. Jay, you're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Jay. Hi, Grace. Good good morning or good afternoon. Good afternoon. You know, Grace, before I tell you what I wanted, I wanted to say that you wanted a gift for the new year. You've been given a child. What better gift could you ever want than that? Absolutely. But, uh, yep. But uh, if you want to make Howie's blood boil, just mention the ACLU and the, their efforts to thwart Governor Abbott at the border. 
what I, what I really want to talk about is uh, Senabellos. She has opened up a can of worms that can be a Pandora's box that cannot be put back. They've exposed the game plan for the Democrats, which is the end justifies the means. And all's fair in love and war. So we know what the Democrats are about. Yeah, and Shenna Bellows, for people who are just tuning in, she's Maine Secretary of State, and she made the decision last week to kick Trump off the ballot. And like the Supreme Court justices in Colorado, she stayed her own ruling. In other words, she knows it's not going to hold up. She knows his name will eventually be printed on the ballot, and she's not really trying to stop it. But she just wants to let everyone know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'm one of the social justice warriors. I'm one of the get Trump, you know, uh, sycophants, and you guys can count on me. I agree with Jay. I think that and this is a a uniquely Democrat thing where it doesn't matter how expressly you try to warn Democrats. Think back to Harry Reid and Mitch McConnell with the filibuster. He said, you're going to regret this and you're going to regret this a lot sooner than you think. And Harry Reid didn't care, did what he was going to do anyway. And then what happened? He ended up regretting it very, very shortly thereafter. And then you think of Brett Kavanaugh looking at all of those senators questioning him and saying, you've unleashed the whirlwind. I probably didn't I probably didn't get that exactly right, but it's the same point. It's like you have done something now. You're not going to like where this goes. You can't just accuse people of random things and have no evidence and ruin their lives. You're not going to like the precedent that you are currently setting. You're going to regret this. You will rue the day. And they don't listen because the short-sightedness is a key component of their brand, to use a word from Eric Adams. This is their, their brand is short-sighted. Their brand is throw everything against the wall, break everything in order to get one guy And it's really amazing when you think about it. This man has figured out a way to just break so many people. So many like formally serious people, as Jonathan Carl would say. Serious people. A lot of people who I at one point in my life respected. And now you look at them and you go, how did he do this to you? I get not liking him. I get not voting for him. I I have friends who didn't vote for him. I... At this point, I don't get not voting for him. And uh, to be honest, I didn't really get it in the first place. But I understand that there's people like that who exist. But to go against everything that you once stood for, to go against the Constitution, to go against your own common sense, to be a legal analyst or something on CNN and then be debating someone who thinks it's a loophole due process, that to me, that short-sightedness is what they're all about. They can't understand how things are going to come back to them, how revolutions eat their own, how you can, uh, uh, to use one more cliche, you can feed the alligator and he might not eat you now. He might eat you last, but he's going to eat you. They don't get that and they don't care. That's what's even more important. It's not even that they don't understand it. They don't care because Trump is greater than everything else for them. And so they're going to continue to try to get Trump. And what they what they end up doing, and I saw this great cut of Bill Burr. He was on with Jimmy Kimmel. And he said, and you liberal jerks are going to get him reelected. You're so obsessed with him. You keep talking about him. You're making him a martyr and you're going to get him reelected. And it's absolutely true. If these people just didn't pay attention to him, he wouldn't be nearly 
as big as he is now. He wouldn't have nearly the amount of support. Like, I, I wrote about this in the Boston Herald, and I actually, I haven't written for the Herald in a long time, and I was really happy to be back. And I was writing about how all of this, Shanna Bellows and what happened in Colorado and the FBI raids and the mugshot, it's re-energizing a base that naturally has a lot of energy. That, nat- that naturally seems like they've had a couple cups of coffee. You ever been to a Trump rally? That's not a rally where you think, oh, these people, they need a little bit more motivation to support this guy. Trump's base loves him. And you are just you are just feeding that base more red meat. And I guess that doesn't matter because they're already under the tent, under the big, beautiful MAGA tent playing YMCA. But what about the people who aren't in the tent, but who are just watching this? I think those people are starting to go, well, how can he be that bad if he was president already for four years? None of the stuff you're saying he was going to do, he didn't do any of the things you said he was going to do. And why should we believe that even though he didn't do it the first four years, he's going to do it the next time? Furthermore, the guy you said was everything that this guy was not actually seems to be doing a lot of the things that you warned us that the first guy was going to do. I'm sorry, that's a little that's a little bit of a pretzel, but it's true. The guy that ran, Joe Biden did not run on being Joe Biden. Nobody likes Joe Biden. He's been around for 81 years. He's run for president multiple times. And he's not a very well-liked, I, despite, I know what the media will tell you. He's a jerk. He's a jerk. And that's fine, because I don't think Trump's the nicest guy either. But Trump doesn't run on being the nicest guy. That was Joe Biden's whole shtick. I'm Joe. I'm the grandfather. Let me sniff your hair. And so what Joe really ran on, because it it wasn't going to work just being Joe Biden, he had to run on, I'm not Donald Trump. And from the headlines I've been reading, I read one today. I think it was in CNN, like, oh, Joe Biden hopes to run as being, you know, an an un-Trump-like candidate or something. He's going to run against Trump. He's going to make his whole campaign that I'm not Trump, which he did the first time around, and it worked. I don't think it will work this time. Because the first time around... People got really spoiled. People really started to come up with like champagne problems that they wanted to care about. Oh, the tweets. Oh, he's mean. How do the tweets look now? They don't look so bad now. And furthermore, this guy who told you you had to be so afraid of the tweets and so afraid of Orange Man and, oh, you know, we got to restore norms and we got to restore dignity. He's been in there now for almost four years. And he has not been able to deliver. In fact, he's delivered the exact opposite. Every day I wake up, there's a new crazy headline. I want to call up friends of mine who said, I just want things to go back to normal. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of all this stuff. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I just want things to go back to normal. How's it working? How's it? Are you liking it? Are you liking it? Are you liking all this normalcy? Soak it in. Soak it in. We might get four more years of this normalcy. How many wars are going to break out in four more years of this normalcy? It's insane. And you know what Joe Biden's up to right now, by the way? Joe Biden, he is lying low. Biden lies low in St. Croix during holiday week. This is from the New York Times. And the reason I bring this up is because there was one part of this. A historian at Princeton University, Joe Biden loves historians, you know, because the history books are going to speak very kindly of Joe. A historian commented on this and 
said that even a commander-in-chief needs to unwind sometimes. But this, in this day and age, no president is ever truly unplugged. So what the New York Times tries to set up here is the idea that Joe Biden, a man who doesn't work when he's working, a man who doesn't have a schedule when he's in the White House, like he could go down the hall and be, have a meeting and he doesn't do anything. But we're supposed to believe that he's in St. Croix, where it's like 80-something degrees, and that he's making it a working vacation. That is one of the most laughable things I've heard in a while. Does anyone think Joe Biden is doing work on this vacation? Like, Jared, really, though? You, you've, you've watched this man as much as I have. Yeah. It, we're lucky he's doing, well, he's lucky he's doing anything at all, including breathing and walking. I don't think he's calling up. I don't think he's calling up like his advisors and be like, set up a meeting. And I know they keep saying, oh, he has all these calls. He has all these calls. I, I fine, I guess, sure. If you want to say that he's having a working vacation, I think we're using that term pretty loosely. Um, we will be back. We'll take your calls. It's eight four four five hundred forty two forty two. I'll read you a little bit more from that. Joe Biden lies low in St. Croix. I want to lie low in St. Croix. I want to lie low. I'll do a working vacation, Jared. Call in. We can set up some sort of remote system there. It's just, it's all so predictable with the Bidens. And, and oh, I should mention this. He, he did. You know what? I stand corrected. Here I am saying Joe Biden wasn't working while he was in St. Croix. He did an interview with Ryan Seacrest. Look at me. I feel like a big jerk. Of course he was working. He talked to Ryan Seacrest. To put on a shirt for that. Yeah, and he talked about what are his most memorable moments of the year. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know what he's never understood is like the keep it simple. I always think this when I do occasionally, not to sound like oh, I'm a big shot here or anything, but occasionally I get to do a TV hit. And sometimes people will say to me, oh, this is what you should say or don't forget this. And sometimes you just have to. You have to whittle it down to like one sentence, something that people can understand, something that you get in, you get out, and that's it. Joe Biden does the opposite. He's like, let me see how many random stories I can pull together to create a plot line that goes absolutely nowhere and yet has everyone at the edge of their seats with nervousness. Everyone who's watching it feels uncomfortable. That's what he did. We'll play that sound for you um, in case you missed it. In case you weren't watching the ball drop with Ryan Seacrest and Dr. Jill and uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., we have that for you at The Grace Curley Show. In the past couple of years alone, close to 50 satisfied Grace listeners have allowed J.J. Manning auctioneers to sell their valuable real estate assets quickly, contingency-free, and for the highest price the market will pay. Don't wait. You can be the next one. Since 1976, J.J. Manning's project-based approach of selling real estate has generated positive reviews and results for individuals, families, builders, companies, banks, estates, and more. You set the sale. You have one consolidated open house, which I love this because sometimes when you're trying to sell a piece of property and you have to have all these open houses and they just pop up randomly, you got to like re-clean the whole house and get everybody out and, you know, start the process all over again. With J.J. Manning, there's no surprise last minute showings and the sellers are never left out in the cold wondering about interest on their property because you're going to get weekly reports that provide measured progress and really create a sense of teamwork. They want you to be part of this process. 
there's no distress. You set the terms and you sell contingency free. The buyer pays all the commissions. So JJ Manning, they know what they're doing. They use a 30-30 marketing plan, which is 30 days of advertising and 30 days to close. If you've been putting this off, if you don't know how you want to sell your property, but you know it's time, then you should contact Charlie Gill. It's 800-521-0111 or visit jjmanning.com. Call Charlie today at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com and get your real estate sold. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Perfect Smiles. Don't be fooled by imposters with similar names. If you're unhappy with your smile, you need to visit Dr. Bruce Houghton in Nashua. Call 1-844-A-PERFECT-SMILE or visit PerfectSmiles.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is do you make New Year's resolutions? Yes, I do. And I know we have a bunch of haters out there who think it's lame and, oh, you just make resolutions and you don't follow up on them. It's the same people who told me, Jared, that when I got an exercise bicycle that I wasn't going to yeah. use it and it was going to become a coat rack and I was just going to you know, pile up all my laundry on it. And yes, were they right about that? Sure. But are they right about New Year's resolutions? I don't think so. I like to have a resolution. I like I like to improve, to constantly be trying to be better. And I don't see anything wrong with that. 85% of the audience says no. They do not make New Year's resolutions. 15% are with you, though, Grace. Trying to better themselves. Yeah. 15% have hope. But the people who are not into resolutions, those are the same people who tell you, like, oh, I make them every day. Like, I, I don't need to make them on January 1st. That's what Taylor says. I don't need to make one on January 1st. I can make them every day. But do you? Do you make them every day? Hmm? I don't think so. All right, everyone. We've been talking about the Biden administration. And you know what's interesting? So we were, we were discussing with David Marcus. And if you missed it, these podcasts go up probably an hour after they air. So you can always check them out wherever you get your podcasts. But we were discussing taking Trump off the ballot. And then we were also discussing Joe Biden and whether or not he's going to be the nominee. Now, Trump says he doesn't think Biden's going to be the guy. I tend to think he is. I, I think they're stuck with him at this point. But one thing that David Marcus said, which I never thought about, and maybe maybe I'm just losing my touch here a little bit, but he said a lot of the people are Obama people and then they became Biden people and they they won't be there if it becomes Gavin Newsom land or if it becomes another Democrat. They want job security. They want it to be. And I never you forget that the White House is a business like anything else. You know, these are they don't want to teach Joe Biden how to um, use his computer because they want they always want to be needed. They always they, they don't want to kill the job. So this is another case of, well, yeah, they don't they don't want Joe gone because then the new person might say, listen, you guys did a really crappy job. It was kind of a bleep show. So I'm going to bring in my own. Everybody brings in their own guys. It doesn't matter if it's a college football coach or if it's the president of the United States. You got your own army. You got your own people you come in with. And you clear house if you're smart. A lot of presidents don't do that and they wish they had. Donald Trump. And he probably will if hopefully he wins in 2024. He will clear house. But the reason I bring this up is because one of my uh, 
followers on Twitter responded back to David Marcus's comment with that picture. Remember the picture of all the Obama staffers the day Trump showed up at the White House? I forgot about that. I've been meaning to do some printouts for artwork for my house. If you know what picture I'm talking about, that would be beautiful framed, wouldn't it? Everybody with these mean mugs on their faces all wearing black. We'll be right back. (laughs) 